Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 269 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So glad that you're here with me today as we are talking to Sarah Echevarra-Smith. And uh, we are talking about how to keep the reader moving through your work, Uh, little tips and tricks to do that. Also, she's an absolute delight, and I know you will enjoy the interview. Uh, What is going on around here? Well, I've got boxes behind me and a bookcase. Things are progressing. Uh, We have been (laughs) we've been buying furniture and then struggling to get it to the house. We've been using this site called Trade Me, which is kind of like New Zealand's Craigslist. Um, And you can either buy things, used things on it, or you can bid on them. And I've bid on a couple things and I accidentally bid on a China cabinet slash sideboard hutch thing that will go in our dining room to hold a bunch of our um, kitchen stuff because there's very, very little kitchen space in the very small kitchen. Uh, but it's an hour away. <laughs> Didn't realize that. And it's large. So things like that um, have been happening. We need to hire movers to get things to us. Also, we need to hire movers to get us stuff up these bloody stairs. 50 steps up is um, too far for us to carry heavy things. We just ain't going to do it. Could we do it? Sure. Sure. We could. Do we want to? Absolutely not. Um, So things have been getting delivered and brought up the stairs and put in place. I've got a brand new big bookcase kind of behind the one, the small one that you can see behind me. And that means I get to open boxes. And the reason I get to open boxes is that the boxes were delivered. Praise Jeebus. Uh, They came on Monday. They were delivered by two men, just two men. Um, One was young and one was not. One was not young at all. And and I, I'm going to push him into the elderly category. He should not have been walking up one flight of stairs, honestly, let alone the five flights of stairs it takes to get up to our house. He was huffing and puffing with the first box that he brought. And I almost just broke down and went to help them. Um, and actually, I did carry a couple boxes up, but the young man would carry, you know, four at a time. And his great, great, great grandfather would bring up, you know, very something very small, which was fine. I wanted them to go as slow as they needed to. Um, but of course we had hired this mover, moving company to bring the boxes up. So I did let them do it. And my big fear was that, and I'm not kidding. This was a big fear. This is not a small fear. This is a big fear. This is something that had kept me up at night for weeks that we had shipped too much stuff and it wouldn't fit in the house. And we'd be surrounded by boxes until the day we move out of this apartment someday, this upper flat of the house. And if it's, it fits, we have this kind of back porch area, which is a strange spot. There is a door to the outside, but it kind of leaves, leads to a brick wall. And it may have been like a mud room, but it faces the hill. We don't understand it. And I thought to myself, well, maybe we'll make it a nice, tiny little extra office or some kind of sweet space that could be used for, screw that. No, that's for boxes. That is for boxes. That is exactly what I didn't want. And it is fantastic. I love it. There's a door that closes and you can't see the boxes. On one side are all of Lala's boxes. And on the other side are all of my personal boxes. You know, the things we need for our office and our stuff, all of our stuff. And then all the kitchen boxes actually fit in the dining room. 
Um, so we're not tripping over boxes. And what I'm doing is I'm pulling out a Rachel box, putting it behind me here, going through it slowly. Um, I had pledged to get rid of a lot of stuff. Like I thought about all the clothes that were coming to me. I have been living with, I think I, I counted and I think it was 26 or 27 pieces of clothing uh, total. That is what I've been living with for the last four months, um, five months. And I have been loving it. I didn't need any more clothes. I loved my clothes. There was enough to wear for a week or 10 days. And then I would do a lo one load of laundry and all my clothes were clean. And I thought that when my clothes got here, I would give them all to charity, just pack them up and send them to the thrift store. Um, and uh, shockingly, <laughs> I opened those uh, boxes full of clothes and I loved all the clothes. Guess what? Because my personal shopper, me, had packed them with only my favorite clothes, the clothes I was not able to get rid of. I was not able to get rid of them because I love all these pieces. So um, now it's very exciting. I'm wearing a NaNoWriMo t-shirt that I have not worn in a very long time. Most of my t-shirts are NaNoWriMo t-shirts. Um, so it has been it's been so fun kind of greeting our old lost friends and taking our time. And um, we've got more bookcases coming. We've got more storage coming. We put two huge uh, book, I, I don't know what they're called, industrial shelving units in the little laundry room. So we have storage for our, our other stuff. And I'm just going slowly. I have time. I have always been the kind of person up until now who likes to unpack the whole house in a day or two. And I don't need to do that. I have reached a place where I can take a little bit of mess and muss and fuss. And, um, and that's good. That's something I've been working on trying to be able to do for a long time. So yeah, I don't care that there's boxes behind me and that that shelf looks really, really messy. Um, but if you are watching on the YouTube video, you can see also behind me on top of that bookcase, I put my bed desk thing that I got when I was sick um, earlier this year. And it's the perfect height for a standing desk. So, uh, and I'm bringing it up just because it's not really that pretty. It doesn't look great. However, it is fantastic for my body. I have a sitting desk and I have a standing desk. And, um, and that is really exciting, exciting to me. Uh, and I'm looking out the window at the sun coming through and the roses, and I've been working in the garden and it's just freaking fantastic. I love it here. I met up with some writers um, yesterday and we hung out and had coffee and tea and talk. And um, it just, I drove home from that feeling like I'm home. I drove home from where I met them and I felt like I was going home. Also, I managed to come up that windy hill like I never had before with almost I was going to say almost no fear. No, with quite a bit of fear that, that this hill is so, so, so scary uh, to drive on, but it's only, I don't know, 1200 meters or something like that. And uh, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at coming up that hill and I can drive a long ways and then come home and it feels good. Now I am rambling. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention to you, because I was just coaching somebody on this, on a uh, personal coaching call. And I, and it's something that I see in a lot of writers. So let's talk about writing for a minute. Let's go away from Rachel's move and talk, to what, talk about what we actually talk about on the show, which is writing and you thinking about your writing. Um, I want to encourage you that if you are one of the many people who is not currently writing because you are just not sure if you're um, in the right place, if you are doing the right thing, if you've chosen the right project, or if your outline is correct yet, um, 
it is time to stop doing that. And it is time to start writing. Uh, You can't wait until your outline is perfect. Your outline will never be perfect. Why? Because you are not the person who can write this book yet. You don't know enough about it. Um, You become the person who can write this book that you want to write by writing it. And it will teach you where it wants to go. Should you not outline? Absolutely not. You can outline if you want to. Uh, But um, we learn to live with that feeling of frustration of not having enough clarity of certain parts of our outliner outlines, if we are outliners and, and tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to figure that out when I get there, because I can't know that yet. I don't know. So the fact that there's a blank space on this outline is okay. Perhaps this whole episode is about becoming more comfortable with, uh, being uncomfortable with things, which I think is basically the goal of all of our lives. Um, also on a even bigger, higher level, if you haven't been writing because you are not sure you're picking the right project to work on, just pick one. The project that you pick to write will be wrong. It will be wrong. It will be wrong in so many different ways. And knowing that and understanding that is liberating. There is no right. And there is only right. The project that you do pick will become right because you will make it right in exactly the same way that um, making a quick, fast outline, you're going to be getting things wrong. Your book is going to deviate and go wildly off course from that outline. Even if you are an averred outliner from the day you were born, uh, there will be things that are wrong in there. So you can't wait to make them right. You can't wait to pick the quote unquote right project. You just got to pick something and start doing the action of the word. You have to start taking the action and the action in writing is writing. You have to write, you have to write, even if it is a very low goal. I want you to hear this. And if um, you need this kind of fire lit under your toes, let me light that fire choose a number of words that you are going to write on the days that you write this week. It could be 500 words. It could be 2000 words, Um, but it has to be a number of words, or it has to be an amount of time spent revising. Uh, While I'm on this soapbox, I will just remind you, don't revise a book that is not done yet. Don't waste your time making a scene good when you don't know its chances of staying in the book. Of course, you think that it's 100% sure that this scene will stay in the book, but the books always surprise you. So don't revise as you go, finish a crappy first draft. How do we finish crappy first drafts? We do the words in small amounts. There are days when I only write four or 500 words and that's all I can get when I'm writing a first draft. Um, There are days that I only revise for half an hour and I was meant to be revising my entire writing time for that day and I just don't but the action is still taking place. And those small actions add up to completed works, completed short stories, completed poems, completed books, completed novels, completed memoirs. You can do that. You just got to take the action. Um, And I don't think that I had nagged you about that for a while. So thank you for listening. Um, If you would like to find me anywhere online or respond to me via email because you're signed up for my email list, right? I'm going to put that little uh, suggestion that you join in there. Um, Respond back to one of my emails and tell me what your new goal is. What 
new fire you are setting for yourself. Um, I don't know why I'm using this fire metaphor. is not working very well. So I'm going to abandon it as is the writer's prerogative to abandon metaphors willy nilly and fix them in revision, uh, which I don't do on my podcast. So pick a number of words or pick a time and start doing the action of writing. Feel confident and proud that you're going to get stuff wrong. And in doing so, you're going to make your writing right. Embrace that, please, my friends, and come tell me about it. And in the meantime, let us jump into the podcast with Sarah. Please enjoy, and we will talk soon. Happy writing, my friends. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write, and you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show today, Sarah Echevarra-Smith. Hello, Sarah. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I have been so excited to have you. Um, I haven't read your book yet, but it is on my TBR pile at the top. And I absolutely love the premise and the cover. I feel like you won the cover lottery for this one. Do you love it? Oh my gosh. I, yes, I feel the same way. I am so lucky. I have an amazing um, cover artist, Vicky Chu, and she's done all of my covers so far with um, Berkeley, my publisher, and she's just so talented. And I'm um, thank you for liking it. Cause I love it too. <laughs> it is beautiful. And anybody watching on the YouTube podcast, you can see, see it behind Sarah. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction here. Uh, Sarah Echevarra-Smith is a copywriter turned author who wants to make the world a lovelier place, one kissing story at a time. Her love of romance began when she was eight and she discovered her auntie's stash of romance novels. She's been hooked ever since. I have a very similar origin story. Um, when she's not writing, you can find her hiking, eating chocolate and perfecting her lumpia recipe. She lives in Bend, Oregon with her husband and adorable cat, Salem, and On Location is her most recent novel. So I have um, a chicken adobo recipe that I've been perfecting for years, ever since I've lived over near the Philippines when I was a kid, but I've never braved lumpia. I have to figure that out sometime. Honestly, I... I haven't even perfected it yet. Like I'm trying to emulate my mom's family's recipes and like everyone has a different recipe, you know, and it's, which is great because that means that there's variety and, and, you know, there's something for everybody, but it's so hard to get like the spice ratio, right. With like ingredients, because none of my relatives use like measuring systems. They're just like, Oh no, no, just add this. It's like, okay, but you don't understand. It doesn't taste as good as when you make it, but, but yeah, um, Lumpia is amazing. It's wonderful. And honestly, there are many iterations and I encourage you to try it. If you, if you feel inclined, I will, I will try it. I'm, I'm really interested. Lumpia and Pancit are like on my top, top next things to cook. I'm always trying to do and mole, which is a completely different side oh, of the world. But yeah. um, but if I could ever get a mole that I love, I've, I've made a few moles that I absolutely, they were terrible. They weren't even, they weren't even remotely good. So anyway, let's, <laughs> let's, talk, about, let's talk about writing. Um, so this is your third book. Can you tell us a little bit about your writing process, what it looks like, how you get it done, where it fits in your, the rest of your life, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, so I'm lucky enough that I get to write um, full time right now. So I'm just writing books, which is wonderful. I'm super, super happy to do it. And honestly, for me, it kind of just starts with like a scene in my head. 
And if I can write the scene down and I like that particular scene, then usually I can go with it and start to flesh out a full book idea with yeah. that. Not always though. I mean, I think every writer knows what it's like to have this idea and then you put it down on people like, wow, that's terrible. I can't, I can't do anything with this. Um, so, so for me, that's typically where it starts. Although now that I'm um, writing full time now, it's really important for me to outline because publishers, you know, want that outline to make sure that they yeah. know what you're doing. <laughs> so outlining um, has become important to me, which is a big deal because I'm kind of a pantser historically. How have you um, found yourself? I, I found myself here quite a few times where I, I do write an outline for a publisher because they require it. And then I just throw it out as I go because I just can't stick to it. And so far, no one's ever like come back and said, we rip up your advance. But have you had that happen? Um, so I, thankfully I've never had a situation where when I changed something, the publisher got upset or anything like that. But I think that's because my outlines aren't that detailed. Like they're only yeah. like a couple pages long. Yeah. And I have like the major, the major plot points. So I have like the meet cute and the building of attraction and the first kiss and the, all that, those big point stuff that I know were going to happen. But I feel like because I leave myself a lot of wiggle room to fill in certain yeah. scenes and the certain vibes of the characters and stuff. I think that has afforded me enough flexibility to not have to completely throw something out. So it hasn't happened to me yet, but you know, anything's possible. It totally could. <laughs> so you do prefer to pants your way through something. Um, when you sit down to write on a certain day, do you know what's going to happen or do you surprise yourself? Honestly, I surprise myself. I try to, most of the time I have a game plan. Like I know, assuming I know the deadline for something and I have my outline and I know what I want to write for the day. I know that, but honestly, sometimes, you know, you just kind of have to go with where your inspiration takes you. So if I don't want to write this particular scene, that's okay. I don't try to be too hard on myself for that. I'll mm. write another scene later on. So even if it's out of order, I'm still getting something done and it's still serving the purpose of the book. Um, it doesn't, I'm, it's hard for me to be too regimented. I know everybody's different, but like, I have to have that bit of wiggle room to feel yeah. unstifled enough to finish. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. What is your, um, kind of goal on a writing day? So on a writing day, a goal for me is to get something on the page. And I know that some people have like word count goals and I don't mm -hmm. normally do that unless I'm doing like a sprint for something. Um, I, I just need to have something on the page because it, as long as you have something on your word document, you can go back, you can tweak it, you can edit it, you can delete it and rewrite. But if you have nothing, you can't really do anything, <laughs> you know? I, yeah. <laughs> We've all learned that one the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so are you a morning writer afternoon, evening? When do you, when do you fit it in? I, I used to be an evening writer because I started this when I um, had another job and I had other work stuff to deal with. But now that I'm doing this full time, I, I can't, I still can't write early in the morning. My brain is just not worthwhile. It's just completely useless. It's um, refreshing to hear somebody say that because there's, it tends to be most writers say, well, I better write as soon as I wake up in the morning, but some people just cannot and yeah, shouldn't try. Exactly. And, and I believe me, I have tried. And it is not pretty. Like you don't want to read what I try to write first thing when I wake up. It is terrible. Um, so mostly I do afternoon and evening, sometimes late at night. Late at night is still like one of my favorite times to write because it's quiet. Nobody's calling or texting me or like trying to email me to get them something, you know, and it's, it's just 
so much more peaceful and I can be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you write at, well, I know the pandemic has changed everything, but do you primarily write at home or were you a writer outer? I, I definitely choose to write at home. That is just where I feel comfortable. I feel like there aren't, thankfully for me, I, there aren't a lot of distractions at home other than like my cat or something. And um, I can normally manage that. So. Cats are such a good distraction. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> yeah. That's like literally the best distraction is when they jump up on your lap. Oh, we, yeah. I, we, we are we are petless since our move. Uh, for the first time in like 25 years, I, I don't have a dog or a cat. And uh, and we lost three last year. So like Aww. every time anybody rec- like refers to a cat, I'm like, oh, a cat. I, every time I see a dog on the street, I become an embarrassing person. So yes, yes. I hope your cat might make an appearance on the show. Oh. Um, <laughs> What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Oh gosh, honestly, probably just trying not to be too hard on myself, which sounds kind of weird, but I think, I think a lot of writers, like you're like, well, I have to hit this word count or I need to hit this particular marker in my manuscript. And I think that it's good to have goals and it's great, you know, to stay on deadline and stuff. That's important. But also there are some days, it's just not going to happen and you can't force it. And beating yourself up about it isn't going to make that any better or change the outcome. So just trying to just learn to give myself a little bit of grace when I'm having a hard time, you know, meeting every single goal I have, which is, which is hard, but it's a work in progress, like anything else. I'm getting better about it. Are there triggers or flags that kind of, uh, and I'm asking this very specifically because I struggle very much with the same problem. Um, how do you, how do you notice when you're beating yourself up? I think I just get, so for me, I get in this kind of down headspace where I notice that mentally I'm kind of just not feeling very good about mm-hmm. myself. And I'm just like making look like, oh, like little quiet comments to myself, like, oh, really? You're going to do that. And I, and I know it's hard because you're in your own head, but I always have to consciously stop myself and be like, just stop. Like, that's not helpful. Yeah. This isn't going to get you anywhere. And then normally at that point, I know I need to go do something completely different to distract myself or just have something else to do. Um, and not just think about how bad I'm failing that day at whatever writing goal I've set. And sometimes it's as easy as like going out for a walk or like going for a hike or, meeting up with a friend just to talk about something that even if it's ridiculous, like gossiping about, you know, whatever reality TV or, you know, something that is not writing that gets me out of that headspace that makes me feel my mood feel better. And then I can come back to whatever, whatever it was that I was dealing with writing wise. And that just that reset really helps. That sounds super, super, super healthy. Um, speaking of reality TV, your show, your 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 book does have a television show aspect to it. What what is your favorite reality TV? Nobody will ever discuss this with me, and I I love reality TV. Oh, okay. What's your, so, what's your what's your secret pleasure? Honestly, right now, and I because I know that there have been past you know reality shows that aren't on anymore, but right now, um, probably Ninety Day Fiance, and I know that that's terrible. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. But it's very, and it's good too. Like, especially writing romance and you yeah, see the different relationship yeah. dynamics, you know, and you just yeah. see how, you know, some couples make it work and some are triggering each other back and, forth, and some are like, you know, delving into these very toxic dynamics and you know, it's not. And I, and I understand that's not great to witness that as a viewer, but 
it's just really interesting to me. Like relationships are just very interesting to me as a whole, which is probably why I, I write about them. That is, that is what I love too. I, um, I don't usually watch the way which one I watch the bachelor because, yes. because I don't, I don't really care about like the whole romance between the bachelor and whoever he picks. What I care about is watching the relationships between the women. I just find that completely fascinating and I can't, I can't stop watching. And I think as writers, reality shows could be very useful for these kind of things. They absolutely are. I actually, um, one of the, one of the shows that I watched in preparation to, to write um, mm-hmm. on location was Unreal, which was that like this scripted brilliant. TV show. Yeah. And it, they based it off of like Bachelor and Bachelorette behind the scenes. It was amazing. So good. So good. Yeah. If anybody hasn't seen Unreal, I think there were three, two or three seasons. I mean, I know there were two seasons. I can't remember if there were three. Yeah. I but they were three, all so good. They were so good. Oh, thank you for saying yeah. that and reminding yes. me of that. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Uh, honestly, it's just whenever like a reader reaches out to me and tells me that they liked my book or they loved it or, or they enjoyed it. Like that's so, it just gives me all the happy feels. It just makes all that work worth it just to know that somebody felt, um, just felt happy when they wrote, when they read something that I wrote, especially, um, somebody who comes from the same background as me since I'm Filipino American. And, um, I've had a a couple of, or quite a few people tell me that they have read my books and they loved the Filipino American representation and how cool it was to see somebody, a character like them and their background represented because unfortunately that's for a really long time, a lot of, um, you know, characters, of minority POC background just haven't been represented and it's still not, you know, where it needs to be, but um, just seeing that people are finding my little books and reading them and it's making them happy. It just makes me really happy. I love that. And I love watching your face when you're talking about, it. I can see the joy that comes to you from that. That is so, so, so cool. Um, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us on writing? Yes, I have a couple of hacks that I learned from another writer who I really love. She is, her name's Gemma Burgess, and she's actually um, a screenwriter now, but she used to write um, British contemporary romances, which were brilliant. Um, And I learned from her that if I can end a chapter on a cliffhanger and start a chapter like in the middle of a conversation, that's a really good way to like keep readers hooked, like get them to be like, no, I can't stop here. I have to keep reading. And I I know that that's like kind of, you know, not cruel, but like manipulative because you're manipulating your reader into sticking with your story. But yes, we are. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But I mean, like, that's what we're all trying to do. We're trying to get readers to read our, our books. So um, those are two that I have a lot of fun with and that it really helps me, um, in my writing process. Cause sometimes I feel like, Oh, this chapter has to end with like this resolution. And then I was stuck on that for so long. And then I just embraced like, no, 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 it doesn't have to end it on a cliffhanger. That's even better because they'll keep the reader will keep reading and wanting to know what happens. I love that. And I love that you're reminding me of it because that is something I always forget. I, I'm a really linear, like put the train on the tracks and it's got to go over every trestle to get to where it's going. Um, and a lot of times I will do the resolution in the chapter, but then that is, if I remember, it's usually one of my passes to go back in each chapter and like remove a couple of paragraphs. It usually only mm-hmm. takes a couple of paragraphs to make it tighter, a little bit more cliffhangery and then move into the next chapter. So yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I've never really thought about combining the two techniques of the cliffhanger plus the conversation in the next one. That's brilliant. Oh, thank you. Thank you for thinking thank anything for that. that I've, 
I'm done. See, even brilliant. I just stole I it from somebody. It. That's what we do. Oh, every, this is why I have this podcast is that I'm passionate about process and I want to steal everybody's great idea and try to make it into my best process, which is never going to happen. But um, that's why I love talking about this stuff. That's fantastic. Um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Okay. Going back to my cat. Definitely my Yay! cat. Because, and Tell I, me more. What is your cat yeah. name? My cat's name is Salem. He's a cutie pie. I love him so much. Um, but he, and I, this is not a unique problem if you have pets, specifically cats, but he will do this thing where like, he'll ignore me for large swaths of the day. And then like, oh, it's time to write and get on my computer. And then that's when he'll want to like snuggle and get up in my face and want like to, he'll boop my hand to get me to pet him. And I can't, cause I, it's so cute, but it's just like, I guess that's I didn't so anticipate, right. Super annoying, but yeah. amazing. I, I didn't anticipate how often that would be a problem <laughs> when I started this. <laughs> how, do you, how do you handle it when you're actually like in flow or something oh honest I yell at my husband I'm like come get the cat <laughs> get him <laughs> like all lovingly done obviously I do the same for him if he's busy and the cat's being yeah. ridiculous yeah. but um I you know because I think I I love pets I love cats I just think they have like a penchant for like oh are you in the middle of something um not anymore you're not <laughs> and, we had we had this one cat um it was named Waylon and it was Aww. my wife's fault for naming him Waylon because that's all he ever did. Well, he was always Waylon and he would choose podcasts to do it. And I'm, I'm sure that podcast listeners miss Waylon because as soon as I would start talking, he would come running from the other side of the house to yell. And he had a really piercing voice. And I can't tell you how many podcasts I'm sitting here, like looking at the screen, but down here, I'm texting my wife, please, 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 please shut Waylon up. Please come get him. Oh my God. Exactly. It's, I, I swear to God. It's like, they know they're like, Oh, here, look, they, they need me to yell time like all day. Team. Yeah. 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 Like, and they <laughs> ignore you 98% of the day. It's, but it's great. It's, I love them. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's just, I'm so glad that we can connect over this because this it's is a good issue for me. It's good. it's good love. And it is serious. Exactly. Okay. So <laughs> let's go into books. What is the best book that you've read recently? And why did you love it? Okay. So recently I read Love and Pretense uh, by Stephanie Simpson, and it's um, a British contemporary romance. Um, and I just, I absolutely loved it because it had all of the tropes that I am just absolutely crazy about. Um, like which it has, um, So it has fake relationship. Love it. And yeah, love it. And um, there's a wedding, which I'm always absolutely gaga for any any romance with a wedding in it they they also do the grumpy or she also does the grumpy sunshine um pairing because the um the male main character is a total grump and the female main character is super sunshine and just the way that they um the way that they pair off is just really really cute and sweet and um but it's also very angsty and emotional too and I like that bit of edge to my romance and it's steamy too so just everything I love steam that sounds fun it is yeah <laughs> okay now speaking of fun will you tell listeners about your book please the most recent one yes absolutely so are they are they connected are the three connected at all or are they all um, no they're all standalones um actually I've I've done things where I've like had characters make cameos yeah in, just for fun but not it's yeah. not integral to the story or anything like that it's just all for fun um but yeah, On Location, it's a sexy rom-com about Alia, and she is the uh, showrunner uh, at, at an outdoor television network, and she is um, spearheading this 
dream series of hers about uh, the national parks in Utah. And she's super excited about it until she finds out uh, that her newest crew member is um, the guy who she had an amazing first date with. And then he ghosted her. So that's super awkward. So obviously it's about, (laughs) it's about her navigating the awkwardness of that. There's a physical attraction between them that they have to kind of contend with, but they're also kind of, you know, having a lot of conflict on the set because of their very awkward history. Um, But there's lots of laughs. There's lots of steam. um, There's lots of heart and a really sweet happily ever after too so i think it's just all the stuff that i love to write about when it comes to romance and rom plus you you've got that gorgeous like travel angle for those of us who you know have not been i I have i've traveled a lot recently but most of most of us have not been at all and that's a really great way to go travel to utah is is that area in utah special to you for a reason or yeah actually i i love um, hiking and Southern Utah, I think is one of the most gorgeous places to go hiking. Um, it's just a beautiful desert, red rock landscape. And I wrote on location last year in the midst of the pandemic. So I, you know, we couldn't go anywhere and I just wished that I could travel. So it was like my way of revisiting all of my favorite places in Utah. Um, that's such a great idea. Thank you. (laughs) It was, it was nearly done because I had cabin fever and I couldn't do anything about it. So such yeah. a good, such a good solution and such a good thing to give to your readers. Um, tell us where we can find you online. Yeah. So you can, um, come find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at author Sarah S and I'm pretty active on social media. So come say hi. I'm always happy to talk to people. Always, always wanting to distract myself from whatever writing thing I'm trying to procrastinate. That's what social media is for. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. And may this book fly from the shelves. And I cannot wait to dive into it. It's got everything that I want to read in a book. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Happy writing to you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.